Super Talk Mississippi media production. State Treasurer David McRae is returning record amounts of money to Mississippians, whether it's through the College and Career Savings Program or the millions in unclaimed money awaiting your claim. Treasurer David McRae says get your application and claims today. Treasury.ms.gov. Howdy, howdy. It's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. trying to ruin the surprise for everybody on the ceasefire text line i had said not word one and i get good morning dave on the text line it's amazing how that works dave hughes here live at the element well studios on middays rhino over in the booth how you doing today sir oh not too terribly bad for a thursday yeah it's not bad one day away from a weekend and it's starting to feel like well it's not starting to feel like fall it's more fall ish I think it'd probably be the only accurate way to say it, which is good because fall starts Saturday. It's about time. It's past time. <laughs> it's past time. And I was looking right before we came on the air. We're headed towards October. And just like last October, we're about to have a bone-dry Mississippi River. The river is down to nothing. Every single water gauge on a 400-mile stretch from the Ohio down to Jackson is at or below the low water threshold reading. So it's, it's drying up. Again, it did that last October. Remember, we had problems for a while. They couldn't get barges and boats up and down the river because there wasn't enough water. Looks like we're headed back to that same thing again. This is how you start the show on a cheerful note, by the way. Put a lot of time and effort into coming up with the most positive way to do it and just immediately go off into you can walk across the Mississippi River. That's not the subject we need to start with, so we'll move on. Actually, no, we're not going to be cheerful today. What's the point in that? Have you looked out the window? It just seems like every time you turn around, someone else is trying to aggravate you with something. But I have a I have a pet peeve today. Stop looking at me like that, Rhino. I know it's unusual. It never happens with me. No, not you. I know, I know. I am usually very circumspect, calm, and restrained. But today, I'm just a little fired up about something. Because, again, and I, I, I want the help of the, hey, Andy, hey, Thomas. Uh, I want the help of the C Spire text line on this. I want to do a, a survey. On the ceasefire text line today, I'm just curious about something. I want to know, and I know there's discussions about, well, it's arbitrary designations, it doesn't matter, so forth, so on. That's fine. Put that over to the side. I am just asking the question, what generation do you fit in? Are you a silent generation, a boomer, Gen X, millennial, Gen Z, Gen Y, 
Gen Pi. I don't know. I I quit keeping up with them after that. I don't know. What well, what's the latest one? The ones that are like five and below. Is that why? Are they alpha? Alpha. That's right. They're alpha. Alpha. Generation alpha. Because they still can't figure out what to call the ones after millennials. Are they Z? Are they Zoomers? Are they Doomers? Yes. I think the answer is yes. You know. Uh, that, that's that's the American way, by the way. That's America's favorite pastime, is dumping on the generations that came after us, right? That, that, that's, that's been the, the standard for generations in America. The reason why this comes up. Well, I saw one article which immediately led to other articles, which immediately sent me down this this wormhole. Uh, we keep seeing these articles about, you know, breaking things down by generation. The latest one that came out Tuesday uh, was a poll uh, asking each generation, by generation, they had to identify and asking uh, what they felt the best work arrangement was as we're having the big discussion about work from home, go back to the office, uh, benefits, strikes everywhere, all this. So that's a relevant question to ask, I think. Listen to this headline and tell me if you sound, if you hear something missing that's always missing from this headline. Boomers, millennials, and Gen Z all disagree on the best work agreements. Can employers find middle ground? The ones that want to be left alone seem to always get left out. Yes, very much so. But we're expected to do everything. We're expected to help the younger generation pay for their stuff and pay for the care and retirement of the older generation. That's why we want to be left alone every time we say, hey, they dumped something else on us. And then get all cranky if we ever dare say anything about it. So yeah, Generation X and I'm I'm, I'm an... <sighs> This is such a depressing term. I've seen it used because I was born in 67. I am considered an elder Gen X. I'm about to go home right now. Don't feel bad. I'm an elder millennial. It's ridiculous. But it does bring up a good point. Why do we have the entire middle section that are in their most productive years, in their 40s and 50s? Uh, we, we just don't pay attention to what they think. Why? Because the government's full of boomers that never let the Gen X take over. Yeah. Yeah. It's we, one facet of it. We have a story right now. We have a story right now about a federal judge on the appellate court in Washington. Uh, her name, where is it here? Uh, Newman, something Newman. Ba 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 ba, where is it? Uh, Pauline Newman. She is on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Federal Circuit in Washington. She was appointed by President Reagan to this court. She is 96 years old. Staffers and other judges on the Court of Appeals have asked her to step down. She very violently and aggressively 
attacks any idea that she needs to go home, despite the fact that her backlog of cases is twice the size of anybody else's on the court, despite the fact that the other judges, lawyers, and the co-workers in the court are building up a, a list of things that they're dealing with, including, and I quote, significant mental deterioration, including memory loss, confusion, lack of comprehension, paranoia, anger, hostility, and severe agitation. So they asked her, look, will, will you just go get, you know, a mental acuity test? Let a licensed medical professional sit down and give you a test. See how you're doing. That ticked her off, and she flat out refused. So now the rest of the panel of judges has suspended her. They sent her home. Now there's a lawsuit that we need to let the person that can't remember what she's doing or where she's at continue to hear cases on the appeals court just because she wants to. They have told her, this suspension is for a year. At the end of the year, if you haven't had a test to verify your mental acuity, if you pass it, fine, go back and have at it. If you pass it, well, you can come right back. Anytime between now and then, if you want to voluntarily go and take one, if you pass it, you're right back in. It doesn't have to last a year. She has stomped her foot and said no. I don't have to prove I'm mentally fit to do my job. Am I the only person on the planet that sees a problem with this? No. We have had this conversation about Mitch McConnell. We've had this conversation for a while about Joe Biden. There are a ton of ex Diane Feinstein, who's having to have her aides lean over and tell her how to vote and when to vote. We have a long list of people who will not go home. I'm going to quote, I, I spent some time last night, and if you haven't done this recently, you need to, just because it's enjoyable and it's a refreshing view at a completely different time. Go watch some of the old Dean Martin roasts with Don Rickles. He, he used to, I, I was watching some last night, and he looked at, who was it? I think it was, uh, oh shoot, was it Charlton Heston, Kirk Douglas, one of those. Looked at him from the, from the dais, from the microphone, and said, you know, I want to tell you, great actor, you're a fantastic actor, and I say this with all love, it's over. Go home. You're too old. Nobody cares anymore. You say that now, it's horrible. So I'm just curious, what generation are you? Just, just very simple, short text, and we've gotten several already. Boomer, last of the baby boomers. Big John and Florence, I'm 61. What does that make me? Not as old as you feel, but older than you think. That's what it makes you. Tell me I'm wrong. I'm only five years behind you, buddy. Trust me, I know. Brian and Madison, forget the fact the old judge is fighting to stay on the bench. The important question is, is she still driving? I'm pretty sure we all know the answer to that, don't we? Oh, it's going to be this kind of day. Just go ahead and pop the popcorn, make your snacks, and we'll continue live in the Element Wealth Studios on middays right after this.
Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Let's do this. On Super Talk Mississippi. Let's do it. Welcome back to the Element Wealth Studios Middays on a Thursday. Dave Hughes here. Very nice day outside. Very nice day uh, and going to be a nice day tomorrow, we hope, weather-wise. Kind of ended on a wet note yesterday as we were in New Albany, but uh, tomorrow going to be better. I'm, I'm just I'm putting out the good vibes for that. Uh, Gerard's going to be at the Mid-South Forestry Equipment Show off Highway 25 just south of Starkville tomorrow live here on Middays with over 70 vendors. going to buy him a front-end loader. I'm just putting that out there as a suggestion right now. Everybody ask Gerard tomorrow which front-end loader he's going to buy and, you know, help him load it. I'm, I'm trying to be nice. Uh, it's brought to you by the Mississippi Loggers Association and the Mississippi Forestry Association. Going to be a good time, seriously, Gerard, and, and some cool stuff. You know, if you haven't seen some of the latest and greatest in farm equipment, there's some Buck Rogers Space Age stuff they've got that they're working with. And it just keeps getting fancier and fancier. So, yeah, take a listen. And if you're able to get up into that area, stop by tomorrow and see them. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> from the 601. Ken from Seminary is a Gen X. And if you're not down with that, then I got two words for you. Back pain. I assume that's, well, that should be the two words. I know the two words he's talking about. I, I too, am familiar with D-Generation X, which is an entirely different thing. It's a wrestling faction. It's not an actual generation. Still kind of speak for us, though, don't they? Which it is funny if you bring that up. I saw an interview with, I can't remember the guy's real name, X-Pac from yes. D-Generation X, talking about getting sued for doing a promo after he left WCW to go to WWF, which is now WWE, and he he did a promo talking about how his buddies would have been there with him, but they were being held hostage by WCW. So WCW sued him, and he had to explain in court what he meant by holding hostage and also what those two words meant. In court. Oh, that, please tell me there's a recording of that somewhere. I don't know if there's a court recording, but there's definitely a recording the interview, because that's how I saw it. Yep, Sean Waltman. There we go. X-Pac. Uh, let's see here. Yes, uh, Larry and McGee, born 67, same as me. That was a good year. That is a particularly fine vintage, let me just say. Said, I guess I'm an old generation X. Yes, you, like me, are an elder Gen Xer. We don't get a card. There's not a plaque to hang on the wall. There's some plaque build up on our teeth. That's about as far as it goes there. 
But we we are both Gen X and really, really old, apparently. If anybody's confused about the breakdown of the generations, I have the dates here from Caregivers of America. Okay. Oh, oh what a what an authority to go for. Thank you. <laughs> that, that just lifts the mood in the entire room right now. But go ahead. What are the what They are the, say the that the seven living generations are the greatest generation, born between 1901 and 1927, followed by the silent generation, born between 1928 and 1945. Then you have the baby boomers from 46 to 64, followed by Generation X from 65 to 1980. Then millennials were born 81 to 96. Then Generation Z was born anywhere from 96 to 2012. And now Generation Alpha was born anytime after 2013. Okay. So 10 and below is Generation Alpha. What are they going to name the next one? I mean, Do you we, go with Beta? I mean, the alphabet's out the window. We went from X, skipped a letter, Z, and then A. Well, by that point, there'll, there'll be Generation, and then it'll be an emoji. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Generation, generation Eggplant. <laughs> that would apply to several that we currently have, actually, if you think about it for a <laughs> say, I'm not even going to go into it, but... <sighs> Thomas says, let's rebrand boomers to beta. Just uh, just follow the Greek lettering system there, is what he's saying. But it's all out of whack, so I'm not really sure that would work. Yeah, I know where you were going. Leave me alone. Uh, Tim and McGee, you're a baby boomer. He says, I'm a baby boomer, so exactly what does that mean? Well, I'm pretty sure if you weren't aware you were a baby boomer, you were overdue to go outside and yell at the kids to get off your lawn. Isn't that the way it's portrayed? That, that's Pretty much. Yeah, that's the way it's uh, put forward. Someone else from the 601 says the generation non-binary. <laughs> oh. Generation me. Yeah. Yeah, that would work. Uh, let's see. Elder Boomer here. Kids, kids think I laid the last block of the Pyramid of Ramses too. You didn't? Or were you off that day? Vacation days. You know, sometimes you burn one and it's awkward and you miss a milestone at the company. That's what you need to tell them. You just you 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 were off that day. You took a sick day, went to the beach in Egypt. Yeah, that whole story fell apart, didn't it? Uh, oh, from the six hundred one. That's kind of interesting. AI will decide what they will be called. Mm, drones generation drone. Now I'm just picturing the the people from Wally. <laughs> they were healthy. Oh yeah. For a given sarcastic usage of the term healthy, they were healthy. So anyway, I'm just curious. Our count right now, we've had a, a few people to weigh in, and a little over half of them uh, on the C Spire text line boomers. The rest X. The millennials. And they're taking a nap. I don't know. 
So far, I'm the only one. Yeah, you're it. You are the sole representative, no pressure, for your entire generation. Doing a good job of it, too, by the way. Uh, the text line, if you'd like to text in and tell us your generation, don't have to give us your name. If you don't want us to say it, that's fine. I mean, everybody kind of knows already. But, yeah, I'm just curious. I'm just collecting data to see how it breaks down. 601-879-4395, the C Spire uh, text line. Let's see. Uh, we've got uh, Boomer there. Part of a last generation to use paper maps, Dan says. I remember those. They never. I, I don't know how they designed them that way. They never were able to be folded back into shape. Never. It was on purpose. Millennial. We've got our first millennial. Well, aside from you, Rhino. Wife 67, I'm 65. That's actually two Gen Xers right there. So that total goes up. Another Gen Xer. Uh, 63, that would make you a boomer, Johnny. Another Gen X. Another boomer. 64, that would be another boomer. Because I think Gen X started at 65, right? Correct. Yeah, that's what I thought. Another X. A Z. We have our first Z. Da, da, da. Let's see. Boomer. Millennial. Got to start a new line here. Boomer. Boomer. Two more boomers. So, yeah. It, it's a lead for the boomers at the moment. X is keeping up, creeping up. Two millennials and one Z. That's what we have so far. Another one of my fellow millennials says, if I'm 29 and a regular listener to this station, do I qualify for AARP? <laughs> I, I think, uh, odd use of the phrase, I think you should be grandfathered in. Uh, let's see. Gen X, born 78. This, by the way, took uh, when I got on this topic... Uh, this took me down an entire rabbit hole, and I went back and watched a decent part of The Day After from 1983. Do you know that still holds the record as the most viewed made-for-television movie in history? Over 100 million people watched it that night on ABC. And that was all about how the Ruskies were going to bomb us into oblivion. You know, happy fun stuff. When we come back, feel free to keep uh, keep texting it in because we'll uh, we'll keep the count going. I'm curious to see how this adds up. But coming up next, we've got our old friend, the mayor of Biloxi, Fofo. Andrew Gillick will join us. Something really cool happening down there. We're going to tell you about it coming up next. Keep it here. Days with Gerard Gibbert. It is on. On Super Talk Mississippi. One sky, one beer, 
trying to keep up with the tallying on the ceasefire text line, and I should have used a bigger area of the paper to do it. I'm going to run out real quick here. Keep them coming in. Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395, our informal generational survey going on live in the Middays studios today, the Element Well Studios. Joining us now, though, and this is a really cool story. We've got back on the show with us the Right Honorable Mayor of Biloxi, uh, Andrew Gillich Fofo. Do you get called Right Honorable ever? I don't know about that honorable. I get called a lot of things, sometimes honorable, but no, I, I, it's just Fofo. Somebody called me Mr. Gillich. I said, that's my daddy. I'm just Fofo. I can I can identify with that 100%. Now, you've, you've got something going on down in Biloxi and, and down on the coast. Uh, I This qualifies as unusual and really cool. You've got a very special visitor. We do. We do. Actually, uh, coming right from the United Nations is the president of Croatia, Zoran Milanovic, in, in about his top six ministers from the Republic of Croatia to the United Nations and to the United States. And he'll be visiting us uh, tomorrow morning at about 1030. And then uh, uh, we have another reception for our huge Croatian community at the uh, Croatian American Cultural Center, known as the Saponi Lodge, uh, back when Elvis Presley played there. But... Uh, the uh, the community is going to kind of welcome you know that delegation from from uh, the, you know from the homeland so to speak and we're very very excited and, you know and uh, we'll have a uh, I think the governor and our, both of our senators and and uh, uh, speaker of the house will be at city hall and then again uh, that afternoon we'll be at, uh, at at the lodge in order to uh, you know let the president of Croatia uh, connect with the, the community that's been here for you know a few hundred years so. Uh, Starting in the mid uh, 18, you know, 1890s or 60s and to the, to the 90s, but it really took off in 1903. And that's the, you know, that 20th century made the, the Croatian impact and the seafood capital of the world and those kinds of uh, things that, uh, you know, the Croatian community really got involved in from the seafood days to, to now, you know, and sometimes in politics. So well, we're really tremendously excited. That was my question was, what led to the influx of people from Croatia to the Mississippi Gulf Coast? Because I, I, th- I think that it's a lower number uh, than you would expect that are aware of that, number one. And number two, uh, it, it's, it's really cool, but something had to prompt it. Was it the seafood industry? Is that what brought them here? My, you know, around 1890, the Industrial Revolution hit. And, you know, before refrigeration, you know, and, and, and shrimp and oyster was a big business. I'm going to tell you another story just so I get finished with this. But so 1900 hit, we had a, a two or three canneries, shrimp and oyster canneries. And, you know, I think there was a migration of people from the Chesapeake Bay area, you know, Polish and, and, and uh, of course, some of the French. But around 1900, uh, there was an interaction uh, that brought my grandparents and then, you know, sort of an exponential explosion of people coming here. But 1903, 19 to 1920, uh, they began, you know, entering into uh, the, the shrimp processing, the shrimping, the, the oysters and that sort of thing. By 1920s, in the 1920s, the Croatians dominated the shrimp and oyster industry. Literally, like right where you see all these casinos now, that were all Croatian uh, the, the descendants in, in, in of uh you know, first generation immigrants from, you know, from Croatia to Biloxi. And, uh, uh, and you know, like my grandfather, for instance, he got here in 1903 with about five families, five of his cousins. Then of his 13 kids, 
13 brothers and sisters. He brought nine of them here. That's why I'm related to everybody, you know, in, in Biloxi. So it just, it was a very unique situation where the, you know, the families, you know, the, uh, the economic times around the world were, you know, challenging. You know, it was, you know, minarchy and, and uh, some of those things where, you, you know, you might not want to serve in a war or, or some of the things, but, you know, economic conditions were good over here. It was a fertile ground. So 1920, 19, uh, you know, 30 was the second generation, my, my, my parents' generation, and then, you know, here we are, and I've got grandkids now, but it's pretty much right here in the core of our Gulf Coast, Biloxi, Gulfport, Ocean Springs, you know, uh, Bay St. Louis, uh, got that Croatian fabric, and, and it, you know, uh, even today, got people looking, see where they got Croatian heritage so they can be a member of our, you know, organization, so it's kind of cool, oh, but anyway, we're real, real proud, of yeah, real proud to, to welcome the president. Uh, tomorrow morning. So. Well, and, and as it has expanded throughout the generations, does anyone have any idea how big the Croatian community is down on the Gulf Coast? Is there any way to even estimate it at this point? Well, let, let me give you an idea. This this organization that I've become, it's called Slavic Benevolent Association. Uh, it started in 1913. So we'll be celebrating our 110th year. Primarily, you know, the, there was language uh, challenges and, and uh, education challenges. Uh, so what happened, this organization was, was formed, a serious, you know, with about 20 or 30, but now uh, the, uh, the, the men's organization is made up of about 300 members and, and the women's have about 200 members. And, you know, we all have kids and grandkids that hopefully when they're 18, they can be part of this. But, you know, it's in, it, you know, it impacts a couple thousand folks you know, when, you, when you're there. But, you know, uh, we always like to say we have 300 members in our, in our men's organization, but we have 600 opinions. So if you know what I mean, we, 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 we make uh, good debaters. And, uh, you know, you can see that Croatian thing as far as, uh, you know, uh, that trait. So I, I won't, I'll leave it there. But, you know, we do enjoy uh, a discussion, if, that, if I put it that way. Well, uh, how did this visit tomorrow come about? Uh, did you reach out and invite them? Or did they just say, oh, by the way, we're going here? It's an interesting story. Uh, we're very good friends, and, and, and we have a, a uh, in Belchase, Louisiana. There's a huge Croatian society. It's called Croatian American Society. That we've been friends with, and some of their members are our members, and some of our members are their members in Belchase, Louisiana, Plaquemines Parish. They have a big festival once a year. So last year, 2022, Pierre Simonovic is the uh, ambassador to Croatia. We visited our you know our community, and we all went you know to their big uh, heritage uh, festival. So, you know, we, got to, we must have made an impression. Also, the general counsel to Croatia, uh, Croatian general counsel in Chicago, her name is uh, uh, Sonia uh, Lakovic. Anyway, got to be very good friends with him over the last couple of years. And uh, about six weeks ago, he emailed me, Pierre emailed me uh, something, said, we have a, a proposal for you to consider. Uh, in, in, you know, in Biloxi, he said, uh, the, the Croatian president and his ministers will be in New York on uh, uh, right now, September 19th through the 21st, uh, and would like to visit Biloxi and then Bell Chase after this. And uh, so that's what when I and you can't say no. Now a little, a little bit of circumstances. I don't know if you've heard of the Slavic Invitational. Well, we've got about 800 people playing golf in our once a year deal, but I cannot say no to the president until a presidential visit. So we're you know we're we're on five golf courses where, you know, tomorrow morning will be the first TL, TL first round start at 8 o'clock and 1 o'clock. But, you know, you can't say no to a presidential visit, and that's where we are. Can you so just I'm, take I'm him real, to uh, the golf tournament? 
I, you know, he's on a tight schedule, and, and the Secret Service, you know, they don't mess around. So, uh, you know, windows, you know, kind of drawn and, and, you know, trying to kind of stay secret on where things are happening. But that, that cat's out the bag in, in, in routes. And, and so, but, you know, we're excited. And I think uh, they understand that this could be a great and a relaxing and, and an informational visit for, for the president of Croatia. So they reached out to to you guys. You you didn't go. Hey, would you come down yeah, here? They yeah. reached out to you out of nowhere. They did. They did. They said, "Hey, the president would like to visit Biloxi and like to visit." Uh, it just so happens that the uh, the Bell Chase Group, or uh, uh, actually completing the you know a completion of their new building, and so they'll be you know unveiling it or, or opening it that you know tomorrow tomorrow night. So it sort of uh, kills two birds with one song. But, uh, you know, over the years, the, the ambassador, uh, whoever it was in Washington, Yoska Paro was preceded uh, Pierre Simonovich, uh, would come to New Orleans for a sort of a you know, Croatian gathering. So we, uh, some of our folks have attended those things. It's usually in, like, you know, in the, in the hotels and so forth in, in New Orleans. But there's a tremendous South Louisiana, South Mississippi, and uh, you know, it's in Alabama too, there you know people that were involved involved with the shrimp and oyster industry kind of uh, you know kind of stay together. It just so happens a lot of them were Croatian, or at least you know uh, uh, sons and grandsons and and daughters of, of of those folks who came here for a better way of life, and uh, actually then you know raised their family in, in you know uh, uh, just the best of conditions. So we're we're uh, we're just very hopeful and very glad that they. Uh, chose to come visit our, our little community. Uh, you get to put a uh, hosted a visiting head of state on your resume now, Fofo. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think uh, this is the first international president ever hit Biloxi. You know, we're 324 years old, actually, you know, so it, it's a pretty good, you know, it's a pretty significant thing. Now, when you say 324 years old, you know, they got thousands of years of history. So we, I, I can't tell about history, but, you know, look, for our, 300, you know, a couple hundred years is pretty old for us down here, and then 300 years for Biloxi, that's pretty cool, too. Most definitely. It's a fantastic thing. It's cool both for Biloxi and the coast, but for the state in general that we have, you know, heads of state from other countries going, hey, I want to come there. That's that's big. That's it. That's fantastic. Well, our governor's going to be here, and our our U.S. senators, and our speaking now, so it's going to be a big gathering inside City Hall tomorrow. I'm not supposed to tell anybody that. that, that About what? So. I didn't. It's just you and me, Fofo. I didn't hear anything. <laughs> Enjoyed it so much, sir. And keep us updated. Let us uh, check back in. Let us know how it went. Okay. Will do. Thank you. Thank you so much. Y'all have a good day. And wish us luck. Thank you. Biloxi Mayor Andrew Gillich here in the Element Well Studios. We continue next. Are we going to do this? Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. On Super Talk Mississippi. There she stood in the street, smiling from my head to her feet. I said, what is this now, baby? Maybe she's in need of a kiss. I tell her, hey, hey. Every time. Try to stick a USB into the slot. Wrong. Flip it over. Wrong. Flip it back over. Now it's right. Every time. Welcome back. Sorry, it's just me griping about my life again. Welcome back. Uh, middays live at the Element Wealth Studios on Super Talk Mississippi. 
Dave Hughes here. The votes have been flooding in, and with the last two that just came in a couple of minutes ago on the ceasefire text line, just identifying what generation you're a part of, Gen X pulled ahead. We got two more Gen Xers than Boomers that have texted in. Uh, millennials running a distant third. And we've had two Gen Zers who are wondering why there's not more music playing, I guess. Now, there there are people in, and that's part of the, the fallacy of this, uh, because number one, there's not an exact cutoff. Had a couple of people that have said, you know, I, technically I'm a millennial, but I identify as Gen X. And that applies to the borderlines of every generation. Uh, and it's more cultural than anything, and it, it is kind of an arbitrary distinction. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, we were talking about it during the break that while I'm an elder millennial, until Generation Z came along, I identified more with Generation X simply because Generation X, the cutoff is 1980. I was born in 85, and Mississippi's generally five years behind the rest of the world, so I was the last of Gen X. That was my justification. Yeah. You didn't care until all of a sudden these young punks came around, and then it's like, oh, no, you now. What's wrong with you with your hippity hop? <laughs> By the way, uh, I would I would just like to, <clears throat> well, I don't know if brag is the correct term, uh, but exactly as I expected, Exactly as I expected, uh, I made that comment, and we were suddenly flooded with like five people all at once going, I'm a boomer! Which, uh, and there's another one. We've still gotten a couple more Gen Xers that have weighed in, uh, but now boomers have pulled back ahead. This is kind of like election night. This is getting fun. And just And one more of each right there. So I can take. I really should have used just an entire blank sheet of paper for this. I didn't know it was going to go this large, uh, but that's okay. Keep them coming in. Uh, another one for uh, baby boomer and millennial. So we'll mark those down. I'm keeping up with this. I'm seriously keeping track of this uh, because I'm curious. I want to see where the breakdown is. And so far, it is quite clear that the second biggest group. Easily the second biggest group that's responding to the text line is usually just ignored. Oh, wait, no. Now we now we have a surge back on Gen X. Another Gen Zer, another boomer. I'm not just going to sit here and call them out. I'll add them all up during the break again like I did before. Uh, very cool uh, about what's going on down in Biloxi tomorrow with the president of Croatia. The president of an entire country said, hey, i got to go to the United Nations anyway. Why don't we drop by Biloxi? That, that, according to Fofo, that's literally how this came about, which is kind of cool. Uh it's the first time we've had a head of state visit Biloxi uh, from any other country. Not the first time the Croatians have visited uh, Mississippi, though, you were telling me, Rhino. Yeah, we actually had a delegation of Croatian Olympic athletes visit the Magnolia State back in 1996. It was the middle of July 1996, right before the Olympics kicked off in Atlanta. 
the Croatian Olympic team sent, I want to say it was 30, 40 different Olympians to Tupelo and the, the rest of northeast Mississippi to get acclimated to the heat and humidity so that they would be prepared for the Olympics. And they weren't alone. It was, the, it was predominantly Croatians, but the Slovenians also sent a group. So we had two Olympic teams in North Mississippi, 2037, I, I can't do the math, in the 1996, to acclimate themselves to the weather we have here in the southern United States. And if you you can actually go back and read some of the articles from the local newspaper, the the Daily Journal up there in Tupelo, where it talks about how some of the some of the players got there and wanted to get acclimated. They wanted to go run the track at the high school, and when they walked outside, they realized, you know what, we're going back to our room. Yeah, we'll do that at a different date. That's what I was thinking. If you want to get athletes acclimated to uh, extreme southern conditions, yeah, Mississippi is a good stop. About, you know, late August. Send them outside, let them do like one lap, and then they'll be done, and then you can build up from there. It's an entirely different type of conditioning. But anyway, welcome to the Croatian president who will be here tomorrow. That is extremely cool. Fox News has a graphic up highlighting the states east of the Mississippi River. Thanks. Fox News and Super Talk Mississippi News up next in hour number two of Middays on this Thursday. Keep it right here. Welcome to the show that challenges you to think deeply, to think deeply. and look beyond political posturing. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Hour number two of Middays, live in the Element Wealth Studios on a Thursday. Dave Hughes here. And joining us now, we have the president of the National Taxpayers Union, Pete Sepp. And uh, I'm just going to start, Pete, number one, by saying welcome to the show. But number two, what, what would taxpayers possibly be upset about that they would need to unionize? They're all happy, right? <laughs> Everything's going great. Tax. <laughs> Hey, taxpayers of the nation and the world need to unite. And that's what we're all about, bringing people together over the common questions of how do we pay government's bills and how do we do it fairly, simply, and leave the rest of us alone on our economic activities. And I think this is probably one of the, if not the most important topic we can talk about. We keep getting distracted with other things, but this affects how much money stays in your pocket. This is a huge deal. And the money that is taken out of your pocket being used in an appropriate manner, which is a big part of the problem. And I was I was reading some of the stuff on the uh the lawsuit against Google, the investigation by the Department of Justice for antitrust violations, and it just seems like we have a segment of the political world that cannot stand it when somebody succeeds. 
Yeah, that's true. And taxpayers need to care about this, uh, going back to the value of government proposition, because number one, these antitrust investigations cost a whole lot of money, hundreds of millions of dollars. And uh, it doesn't just come out of the fees and the fines that the litigated parties have to pay. It comes out of our pockets, too. Another reason we have to care is that various industries, not just the tech industry and Google and all the others, but all industries contribute to government coffers. You hurt their bottom line, you hurt their shareholders, you hurt their customers, you hurt the small businesses and the supply chain. They're going to be paying less taxes, sending less revenues to the government. So it's in the government's best interest to let these companies evolve. But the third big reason is that all the innovation that comes from these companies, think about cloud data storage, think about good self-service websites where you can get questions answered. Those kinds of things get picked up in government and make government run more cheaply for taxpayers. Uh, governments don't develop that on their own. Those are primarily private sector developments. Well, and, and let me ask you this, and this is the comparison that jumped into my mind. Uh, when we talk about law enforcement, and we've had this discussion in the past, that there are some places that law enforcement runs what's called a speed trap. They, they set things up to make it as easy as possible to catch somebody and get, take their money, take their, their time, take their license in some case. Uh, to me, in some ways, we're starting to use the antitrust regulations instead of for their intended purpose, but as kind of a financial economic speed trap in a way, uh, just to go after people we don't like just so we can get some money. Is that a fair comparison, you think? Yes, it is. And it's just as arbitrary. You know, when you think about it, and, and much greater minds than my own have said this uh, more eloquently, it was actually Milton Friedman, the uh, late great economist, and we, we were interviewing him a good 25 years ago when he was still alive. And he said this exact analogy. It's like the government plays traffic cop setting you up as a successful company to go forward, go as fast as you want until we say you've gone too fast. We're not going to tell you when or where, just beware, you're going to eventually get pulled over. That kind of uncertainty not only exists in antitrust, it exists in lots of other regulations, the tax code, and it puts a damper on our ability as an economy to grow from big businesses down to small ones. When you don't know the rules of the road or you're given the rules of the road and then later the government says, ah, we changed them. Sorry, we didn't tell you, but pay the fine anyway. That's a problem. Well, it flies in the face of the principles of capitalism. Uh, principles of capitalism, you let the market decide, the market decides what it likes. In the case of this Google uh, lawsuit, they're basically suing because too many people like to use Google instead of something else, by, by their own choice. That's right. Uh, which, and the competitors to Google are upset about that. <laughs> well, of, of course. And that's really... Yeah, and, and that's not the purpose of antitrust. For the better part of 40 years, we've had something in place, a legal doctrine called the consumer welfare standard. That's 
the yardstick by which we judge a lot of antitrust cases. Are consumers being harmed? Is there deceptive advertising? Were they given a product that's not functioning right? Were they price gouged? Uh, those kinds of questions are legitimate ones to be settled by antitrust. But when competitors like uh, Yelp or TripAdvisor are saying, you know what, attorneys general in the states and uh, at the federal level, uh, we're upset that Google isn't preferencing our search results on its platform. So uh, we need you to sue them and get them to stop it. Uh, that's an inappropriate use of antitrust. Thank goodness the judge in this case saw through that argument and tossed it out, tossed four of the seven arguments that the states and the federal government were making against Google in this trial, but several others are proceeding. Uh, one of the biggest arguments, according to the government, is that Google and Apple uh, and, and a couple of others have concluded agreements for Google to load its search engine on their devices preferentially and the money that uh, helped to conclude these agreements is somehow evidence of monopolistic conduct. Well, uh, unfortunately, uh, you see that kind of activity everywhere in the economy. If, uh, if we want to uh, get particular about it, it means that uh, Kirkland brand can no longer pay to advertise in front of Costco shelves ahead of other brands. I mean, this could go all the way into every recess of our economy if the government's argument is allowed to stand. The government is basically arguing that, uh, again, using a metaphor with different businesses, it's arguing that McDonald's isn't doing nearly enough to help advertise and push the uh, little mom and pop uh, hamburger stand down on the corner, and that's wrong, so they should be penalized for it. The winners win, the non-winners don't. That's kind of the way the system is set up. And I personally don't think it's the government's job to step in and say, you're winning too hard, you're winning too much, and you've got to stop doing that. And that's the basis of this entire uh, push by the Department of Justice, as near as I can tell from everything I've read. Yes, it certainly looks like that. And again, I'd emphasize, you can hate Google with uh, every breath in your body, but you still should be concerned about the government overreach in this case. The fact is, if they can do it to this company, they can do it to any company. And in fact, they're already doing it to other companies. This Federal Trade Commission and Department of Justice in the Biden administration has unleashed a new wave of very aggressive lawsuits across a number of industries, not just tech. They are arguing exotic legal theories in court that have basically set aside 40, even 50 years of doctrines that have helped give some certainty to both the government and companies about what is inbounds and out of bounds with these antitrust laws. Those are all being upended right now. And that's to the detriment of our free market economy. You're trying to convince me that the Biden administration is just making stuff up to get their way. I just can't believe that, Pete. Come on, that's, that's never happening. Come on, right? <laughs> My goodness, no, never. And no. Uh, FTC Chair Lena Khan uh, has uh, no ideas of her own about how to push uh, antitrust theory to one where the government always wins and the private sector always loses. 
Well, I I think that this leads to an appropriate question because it's not just this. I mean, that's that's kind of a headline story going on right now, the antitrust suit against Google. Um, and usually everybody's knee-jerk reaction is, yeah, take it to the big guy. Well, no, no. You've got to look at the implications of what comes after that. But I do have another question, and, and we'll talk about uh, some broader issues if you can stick around through the break. Absolutely. I uh, have some other things we can dip into, including it's the summer of strikes. When does the National Taxpayers Union go on strike? Can we just get picket signs and go, on, go in front of the IRS building and say, you know, we're not going to pay? I, I don't think it works like that, does it? Uh, no. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was afraid of that. I was hoping you would correct me, but no, as it turns out, it doesn't work that way. But as taxpayers, we do have to pay attention to what's going on so that we can react appropriately and, and make sure our voices are heard on it. We'll continue talking to Pete Sapp, the president of the National Taxpayers Union, about exactly that when we return on Middays live in the Element Wealth Studios. Keep it here. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. What? What? This is so awesome. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. The Element Wealth Studios Midday is on a Thursday. Dave Hughes here. Pete's up with us, the president of the National Taxpayers Union. And uh, Pete, we were talking about the antitrust case. That's not the only thing facing uh, Americans. In, in a lot of cases, they don't even realize it because we don't pay attention and we don't connect the dots. I think you did a good job in the first segment of connecting the dots between why it affects the average taxpayer when the Department of Justice goes after Google because so many people like to use Google. There are direct connections between these things, and they're not very well made publicly a lot of times. And it's probably on purpose, I would think, don't you think? Well, I'm afraid so. There are many actions the government takes in the tax and regulation sphere every day that you don't read about because some member of Congress isn't giving a speech about it, and yet it has huge implications. When you think, for example, the Internal Revenue Service got an 80 billion, with a B, dollar funding boost in that Inflation Reduction Act that passed Congress in 2022. There was very little fanfare about that. In fact, there are only three paragraphs in the entire hundred, several hundred page bill that even talk about the IRS funding. Uh, basically, Congress said to the Internal Revenue Service, here's $80 billion, spend about $46 billion of it on enforcement, uh, a few billion on taxpayer services, a few billion on your business systems, the rest on support services. Now, go do what you want with it. And uh, that is a shocking abdication of responsibility on the part of Congress. And it shows now with the IRS. In fact, we have a project of uh, consisting of a whole advisory board, former IRS officials, academics, 
uh, politicians even, trying to get the funding to where it's needed most as we try to whittle it down at the same time. And where it's needed most is doing things like making sure taxpayers can get someone to answer the phone at the IRS and get a good answer to their question when they finally get through to the IRS and making sure the IRS does all of its rulemakings in public so people have a chance to comment on it. They rarely do that now. And uh, I can attest to that. When you uh, see a rulemaking by the IRS submitted for public comment, there are probably four or five others that never see light of day and they just get enacted on their own. Those are serious problems. You never see them happening in a congressional hearing room or on the floor of the House or Senate, but they affect millions of taxpayers. How much of this could be solved if we just simplified the tax code? I mean, you've probably seen the same memes I have, uh, where it's an imaginary discussion between a taxpayer and the federal government, and the government saying, okay, it's time to pay your taxes, and the person says, okay, how much? And they said, not going to tell you, but if you get it wrong, you're going to jail. You got to guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically (laughs) where we're at now. It's very frustrating. And in fact, uh, every year we do a study of the number of hours and the amount of money people spend just to comply with the federal income tax code. Now uh, we estimate more than six billion hours from the entire American people go into that compliance over $300 billion in out-of-pocket and the value of the time uh, costs going on here. There's got to be a better way than this. In fact, there are several better ways proposed in detail over the past several years. A flat rate income tax with a very simple base or a retail sales tax at the national level to replace the whole thing. There are plenty of good ideas and Congress just needs to pick up the ball and run with them. We had that chance in 2017. We took a different direction, uh, did some simplification, helped a lot of folks with various parts of the tax code and uh, making it more comprehensible, delivering some tax relief, but we didn't do that big overhaul that a lot of folks were expecting. It's still out there and it would do a lot of good if we undertook it We're pressuring Congress uh, indeed to undertake it. Is this the same kind of uphill battle as the discussion over term limits in a slightly different arena is? uh, In that, are are we going to be able to convince Congress to take a move that they might see as not beneficial to themselves? I, I hate to be that cynical about it, but let's just deal with this head on. Is that an uphill battle like I it looks like it is to me? It's an uphill battle, but possibly, possibly not as steep as term limits, only because, number one, there is a benefit to members of Congress for simplifying the tax system. Their constituents would blame them a lot less every April, for sure. Uh, I, I also think that a simplified tax system would work to deliver more consistent revenues and in probably larger quantity down the line than this current system does. 
Politicians love to spend money. I think that's a cynical reason for doing tax reform, but maybe that would work in our favor while we try to figure out how to limit spending as the same time we're limiting taxes. So I think there are a few more advantages in our favor, but uh, as you say, though, it would take a lot of work. Well, and one of the disadvantages is you could no longer argue incessantly over whether or not uh, people who have accumulated more wealth need to pay a higher rate of taxes. That takes that off of the table politically, so that's going to be a, an immediate no vote from some people that I'm sure both you and I could run down the list of names that would be against taking that off the table. So that's a complication into the middle of all this. There are advantages and disadvantages to all the various plans. Flat tax, everybody's paying the same. National sales tax, well, that kind of kind of gives a big incentive to keep the economy pumping along and churning because the more that's being sold, the more taxes are being collected. Uh, I, I think there are a lot of different angles that could be taken to sell this. We just have to have somebody that, how do I put this? We have to we have to find some people that are less interested in continuously squabbling in front of a camera and more interested in actually getting things done. That that's my opinion. You don't have to sign off on that. I could be dragging you off into the deep water. I know, but it it, it just feels to me like that's part of the problem here. And a lot of this stuff could be cleared up fairly simply. Uh, do, what do you think the chances are that we'll get some of this cleared up in the in the say the next ten years? Oh, yeah. I've been in that deep water so long, I'm growing fins. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it is something we have to do. And really, I think the decision is going to be forced on Congress and our other leaders here in Washington pretty soon. Because as I said, with a $6 billion hour, 300 odd billion dollar compliance burden alone of the federal income tax system, not including state income taxes and other types of federal taxes, this system is beginning to sag under the weight of its own complexity. Pretty soon it could just collapse. And we might be looking at a situation where they have to confront doing something differently. I mean, at some point, people are going to become so confused and their accountants will and their tax preparers and the tax lawyers will end up throwing up their hands and saying, we don't know what this means anymore either. So at some point, there's going to be that realization and everyone will just have to say, OK, we're going to start from scratch and design something that looks like it was done so from an intelligent life form. Okay, you're in deeper water than I am. I love this. I, I like this a lot, Pete. Uh, well, and that that's the problem. We keep on trying to keep on, if you will, and we have turned the tax code specifically into a Frankenstein's monster. At this point, it's just pieces welded onto pieces, stuck onto pieces with super glue and silly putty, and sometimes just spit and bailing wire. And yeah, sooner or later, you would think this entire creaky mechanism will just fall to pieces, and then we got a big problem. But how do we get any of this taken care of in, in terms of, uh, you know, the the tax code changes that could happen in terms of the Google antitrust suits and other antitrust suits like those, uh, where it's kind of being weaponized in a way. What can the average taxpayer do to affect this? 
They've got to organize, and we have plenty of information on how you all can do that at the local, state, and national levels, even the international ones. And it's all available through us at NTU, our initials for National Taxpayers Union, ntu.org. NTU.org. Go over there and you can find out more right now. I'll start working on a picket sign just in case that becomes an option, Pete. Uh, we, we can always hope, right? All right. Pete Sepp, president of the National Taxpayers Union. Enjoyed it, my friend. Uh, keep up the good fight and keep treading water in the deep end of the pool, okay? We'll talk to you again soon. Will do. We Take continue care. on Middays live in the Element Wealth Studios right after this. Keep it here. Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. Talk Mississippi, and now we've taken a turn in the generational conversation because someone identified as a boomer, I marked him down. Uh, boomers now back up, by the way, with a let's see, buh, 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 three. The lead is three boomers over Gen X, but they're they're pretty much even at this point uh, on our informal ceasefire text line poll. Uh, what are you? Boomer, Gen X. We've got one silent generation that has identified themselves. Uh, Millennials, Z. We've got five of the generations represented here uh, that have texted in. Another Gen X. We'll mark that down. Uh, But uh, somebody texted in and said, I'm a boomer, which brings me to this. I'm about to turn 65 and still working. Well, yeah, I think uh, pretty much for a lot of uh, the, the younger boomers and all of Gen X and below, uh, our retirement plans consist of working until we die. That, that, that's pretty much it at this point. We had somebody on the ceasefire text line earlier who said that, you know, uh, they, they plan to work until lunch on the day they die, which, I'm going to be honest, is a bit of a slacker attitude, but that's okay. We'll let you have a half day. That's fine. Uh, but anyway, the, this person texted in and said, uh, is this possible? I've talked to a few people and they've never heard of this. And he included a picture of his uh, Medicare information that came in the mail because he's about to hit 65. And at the top, it says, you will soon turn 65. By the way, thanks for telling us. We didn't know. And approach your Medicare initial coverage election period. Enroll in Medicare when first eligible, or you may risk a 10% or more penalty taken directly from your Social Security payments. What? What? Says missing your initial coverage election period may trigger a monthly penalty you must pay for the rest of your life. And then it says late enrollment can leave you uncovered in the event of serious illness for more than a year. Uh, know your rights and obligations regarding Medicare. I- I- is is this true? 
If you don't enroll in Medicare in your initial enrollment period, you come up for it and you just don't go enroll in it, they cut your Social Security payments for the rest of your life? Is that true? That, that, what? I don't know. He he sent a picture of the form in the mail, took a picture of it with his phone and just texted it in. I don't know, but I'm, I'm going to find out now. Because that is ridiculous. 10% or more of your Social Security payments for the rest of your life if you don't go enroll in Medicare when you turn 65. Excuse me? I uh, we got to look into this right now. I want to look into this because if that's the way that works, that's that's a problem. Dave chimed in and said, "You do have to sign up for it if you d- wait. You do have to sign up for it. You do not have to take it. If you do not sign up, you do receive a penalty until you do sign up. Once you sign up, the penalty is removed." <sighs> So it, it doesn't matter if you want to sign up for it or not. They they want you in the system, regardless, is what Dave, no relation, is saying. I assume no relation. I'm related to like three people at this point. That is, uh, Moe says that is absolutely true. So we're getting some verification Thomas and Greenwell, but he says, uh, Thomas says it's a way to make people, maybe it's a way to make people draw early and therefore draw less. Uh, That would be fine, except it's Medicare, so it's paying for medical coverage, which I don't know if you're providing that for a longer period of time, it's going to wind up costing more. Social Security payments, yeah, that's a a whole different thing. The earlier you take that, the more they're going to pay, depending on how long you live. That is interesting. Mose also just chimed in and said, if you sign up late, your premiums for Medicare will be higher too. Because that's the thing, and this goes back to what we were talking about with Pete in the last segment. Uh, Medicare is another example of something that is, in my mind, overly complicated. And most people, especially younger people that haven't really had to think about it or deal with it yet, Uh, don't understand just how complicated it is. Because Medicare is not just a one thing. You've got Medicare Part B. You've got Medicare Part C. You've got all these different parts, and they work together, and you sign up for a specific one to take care of specific things, and it's just a mess. And to me, overcomplicated. Just like everything else that comes out of Washington. It's no surprise that when we look at people in Washington discussing things, you never feel like you got 100% a straight answer to a question. Sometimes it's because they don't know because it's so complicated. The other reason is because, well, that's just the way it works. But yeah, that's uh, yeah, that Tim from Tupelo. Don't forget the donut hole. There, there is a hole there. There's a gap in coverage. Uh, medication. If you're going to get your medication, that's not under Medicare. That's under a different section of Medicare. Part D. That's Part D. So, yeah, it is overly complicated to a ridiculous extreme. In my 
tiny, simple brain. It's fairly easy. You're sick. We're going to get you well. Here's what we're going to pay. Period. Done. End of discussion. Oh, no. We have to complicate it to a ridiculous extreme. And now, uh, you know, by, by the way, we're... Uh, if you don't let us start paying for your medical coverage, we're not going to give you all of your Social Security. That's that, that sounds awfully close to a shell game, to be honest. <sighs> yeah, Thomas, simplicity was one of the things they were screaming about when they were putting Obamacare into place. We're going to simplify this. Pro yeah, it's working great. It's going fantastic. Uh, it was hard to believe them even at that point when you're simplifying with literal boxes of pages of the bill. Yeah. How is that simplifying anything? Lindy from Gluckstadt, at 65, Medicare Part A becomes primary and any supplement is secondary. As a military retiree with TRICARE, I have to enroll in Medicare Part B at 65 to retain medical coverage. We, we are getting uh, perfect examples on the text line, what I'm talking about, about how complicated it is. There are entire businesses that what they do to earn their money as, as a thriving business is explain Medicare to people and help them navigate through it because it is just that convoluted. And from where I'm sitting, there is absolutely no viable reason why it should be that complicated. It shouldn't be that difficult. This is not calculus class. We shouldn't have to use letters in the middle of the math to figure this out. <sighs> Gary from Olive Branch, if you're working and have insurance, you have to get Part A, which is free, but you do not have to get Part B. If you lose work insurance coverage, then you have a few months to get Part B or pay a fee. The more years you wait, the higher the fee gets. Well, that's straightforward. I mean, very well explained by Gary. He did a great job with that, but come on. Lindy says you really need a consultant to lead you through the minefield. Yes, it's exactly what I'm talking about. Mackie and Baden, now you got a good point here. Good point. All those complications created many, many jobs. He said useless jobs. If the system changed, they would be useless. Now they're vitally necessary because of the way the system is. <sighs> Thomas, Biden's running again just to avoid having to sign up for Medicare. <laughs> Andy says shell game is the exact term I have used. That's what it smells like. It's what it looks like. It's what it, is. it has the texture. It has everything. If it's not a shell game, boy, is it fooling me because that's what it looks like. It's what it feels like. From the 662, in response to your discussion on Medicare, you must also take a prescription plan. If you don't, you pay a 10% penalty for the rest of your life also. Rhino, you got all this to look forward to, buddy. You excited? Yay. You excited? You're one step closer, aren't you? Supposedly. Yeah.
today, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's today. Today, by the way, and for for the next hour plus a segment, is uh, the Rhino's birthday edition of the show. <laughs> if you know how to text a cake with candles on an emoji, hit the C Spire text line for him. Uh, if not, just write the word cake and try to spell it right. It's Thursday. We don't expect much. Come on. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. All right, we are back on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to the LMO Well Studios, where Rhino is aging before our very eyes. It's it's almost visible at this point. Uh, is uh, is the issue of gray hairs appearing in your beard starting to become a problem? No, I'm proud of them. I've worked okay. hard for those. Okay, okay, yeah, that that is the proper attitude. I mean, look, for that matter, look. Vanity went out the window for me about 24, maybe. Yeah, at that point, it's just like, well, yeah, it's another day. I've just hit the age now where I'm so far removed from the the big the big milestones of like 21 to drink, 25 to rent a car. Now that I'm 38 today, it, it, there's about a two or three week window in the year right around this date where I actually remember my age instead of having to do the math you know what's worse my wife still laughs about this it was several years ago because i i like you i, I don't remember i don't pay attention to it it doesn't matter my brain is still 17 years old my body is 152 so i had to do the math I did it wrong, and I went for six months telling everybody I was a year older than I actually was. <laughs> Just very proudly explained, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm 52. No, you're 51, you dingbat. So I asked my wife, I said, well, why didn't you call me on this? She said, well, I just figured you were doing it on purpose. I mean, you're you. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's totally fair. But yeah, so I know exactly what you're talking about, about having to do the math. Uh, the Medicare Education Symposium that we are now conducting, <laughs> but it's being conducted with folks that are dealing with this, so it is uh, very first-hand information that we're getting. Uh, one person texted in, said you have to list all your medications, and they set your monthly premium based on those meds. <sighs> Uh, let's see, where was it? There was another one I just saw. Uh, the F plan has been eliminated from your choice of plans on Medicare. If you're under 65 years old, you'll have to choose one of the other plans that will force you to pay a copay for doctor visits or services. Sorry that has happened to our younger folks. There's a lot of stuff happening to the younger folks. That's why it's a shame that the younger folks can't seem to get, you know, a foothold in power to deal with some of this because, well, <laughs> nobody else would go home. Well, considering when I was growing up, 
the price of a house equals to what the price of a car is nowadays. Yeah. Yeah, it's a completely different world. Uh, and uh, everything is everything is divided up between the people that realize that and the people that don't. Because I'm sorry, if you look at the price of a house versus the average salary of a worker, uh, that that has gone through the roof. You know, used to if you made fifteen thousand dollars a year and you were buying a forty thousand dollar house, okay, that's fine. Now, if you're making a hundred thousand a year, you know, half a million dollars for a house. There are plenty of houses right now, two hundred, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars. You got to be making a pretty fair chunk of change to be at that same ratio that it used to sit at. It's just not there anymore. And housing is the most visible of those problem areas. I know you've seen the same charts I have when several things happen, but the one that gets all the attention is we went off the gold standard in the early 70s, and worker productivity did this, and worker pay continued to do this. As productivity went up, prices went up for everything, so as a result, everything costs more, but everyone's still making about the same. And then nobody can figure out why so many people are upset. Yeah, I've got a buddy about my age who's house hunting at the moment, and we were talking about how they don't really seem to build small houses anymore. You yeah. don't see very many two-bedroom, one-bath houses that, for generations, that was a great starter home. But at some point in the last 20 years, they just either quit building starter homes or the young families that wanted starter homes quit buying them. Yeah. Because everybody has inflated expectations, partially due to social media, partially due to the expectations implanted in their head by their parents and grandparents about how things are going to be once you get out. As long as you work hard, you can get all the same level of stuff or even better than what we did. It's not working that way. It's just not. It's demonstra This is an opinion. It's demonstrably not working that way. This is one of the big roots of our problems right now. But at least we'll be able to sign up for Medicare Part Q or whatever it is. We may be qualified now for that one, Rhino. I don't know. It's so complicated. There's people in daycare on part of Medicare at this point, maybe. I don't know. They could be open. Final hour is hopefully going to be more cheerful than this, but somehow I doubt it. Stick around live and get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back live in the Element Wealth Studios. It's middays on a Thursday. Don't forget tomorrow, uh, middays is live. 
Uh, Going to be in uh, Starkville, just south of Starkville, at the Mid-South Forestry Equipment Show, brought to you by the Mississippi Loggers Association and the Mississippi Forestry Association. Over 70 vendors with some cool goodies. I And this is what I'm curious about. Probably not quite yet, but... It's possible. I wonder if they're going to have anything there that uses artificial intelligence. Hmm. It's possible. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it's built into something. But the, the, this is the level of the equipment we're talking about. It's not just, you know, a plow with a mule behind it anymore. Everything has gotten extremely complicated. And I mentioned that because, I don't know if you saw this story in Australia, they have launched this new thing for the potato farmers in Australia. Potato farming is a big deal down there. They have artificial intelligence robots that go out, pick the potatoes, take them back, put them into bins, and then go back out and and tend the field and plant and straighten things up and whatnot, all powered by artificial intelligence. So this isn't out of left field when I say that. I wonder if they're going to have anything there that, you know, I'm I'm sorry, I can't harvest the corn, Dave. (laughs) The more I think about it, the more it, it seems likely, because the the first thing that comes to mind is farming adjacent. It's more with the, the processing of the food after it's farmed, but there's a video that goes around on social media about every three, four months or so of a tomato sorter, where they had the tomatoes coming off the truck, going down a conveyor belt, and there's this little machine with paddles that as the tomatoes are falling into bins, the paddles are smacking away the green tomatoes. And they use artificial intelligence combined with uh, a video device that it just sees there's red, there's green, hit the green one. Yeah. just It just does some of that drudge work, if you will, and sorts it out all the And it does it so much faster than you could even imagine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, way faster than a person could do it. Uh, th- this not only is coming talking about artificial intelligence, it's not only coming to most, if not all, aspects of your life. In a lot of cases, it's already there and you don't know it yet. Just going to put that out there. You'll you'll see as we move forward uh, more and more how right I am about that. It's there in a lot of areas already. So just keep that in mind as you watch things. But I'm curious to see if we have anything that's going to be on display tomorrow uh, while Gerard's up there at the Mid-South Forestry Equipment Show. I would bet there will be something. Because, again, some of that equipment, just in previous years, incredibly advanced technologically. So good stuff. Sam from Mount Hermon wants to know, uh, Rhino, since it's your birthday, if you've picked out your retirement community yet. (laughs) Not quite. You want to get one where the pill lady comes around at a decent time between naps. You know, you want to make sure they have your flavor of Jello. There are a lot of things that you have to factor into this when you're picking one. So yeah, because yeah, not everybody serves lime Jello. No, no, that's that's for the fancy people. You don't just get that walking in off the street. Come on. You get mystery red. Could be strawberry, could be cherry, could be a random flavor. You never knew what you had. Could be miscolored grape. You never know. It's part of the adventure of life. Yeah. Thomas says, there won't be any AI, and your phone is not listening to you. 
I have yet to see anything that made me think less that my phone was listening to me. I guarantee you, before this day is over, I'm going to open something on my phone and I'm going to be getting ads for farm equipment because I've got it laying right here and I've been talking about it. Bet you a dollar right now that's going to happen. And I'll also be getting ads for people wanting to help me sort out my Medicare. That's also going to happen because we've been talking about it. It, it just keeps ha- Does that happen to you? It keeps happening to me. Oh, yeah. But I also have the... Uh the privilege of messing with the algorithm a bit because I watch so much soccer plus being an anime fan so I I have soccer with a lot of German announcers and Spanish announcers then I have anime that's in Japanese with English subtitles so I get random ads in different languages I don't know what they are and to the point now where I'm getting email like spam email in languages I don't speak well, to be fair, it's it's double-sided because they obviously have absolutely zero idea what you are either. So it works out. Yeah. Keep keep muddying the water. You're doing us all a service. It, it's nothing but, but helpful. The human AI at the NFL games. Uh, Skyler down in Monticello said to look that up. The human AI at NFL games, because they are starting to use that in the NFL. Yeah, aren't they doing a, a kid's game for Nickelodeon where they're going to use AI to superimpose cartoon characters over the players? So you'll have the, the teams playing, but the players will be represented by, like, SpongeBob. Yes. Yes. So Brady got out just in time is, is what that's telling me. He saw the writing on the wall, and he left. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Thomas, you're going to have to explain anime. We think it's just cartoon porn. No. No, it's not. That, that, this is your that area. Was, that was when it was called Japanimation back in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a different area. It's a lot more complex and a lot more involved and a lot better written Oh, yeah. Than you think it is. And if you want to get your, your beak wet a little bit with it, just go to Netflix and check out the One Piece live action. It's about as close as you can get to anime with real-life actors. How many times have you watched that through? I've been through it three times now. Okay, okay. Two right. times in English. And be- cool story here, if, you, if you're a fan of it. If not, I'll, I'll spare you. I'll keep it down to, like, 30 seconds. The the show, the the idea for the show, the, the anime, the, the manga, the comic book that it came from, comes from Japan. And it's been around since the late 90s. Well, you have voice actors that have voiced these characters that are Japanese that have been voicing them since the late 90s. When they made the live action, they did it all in English. Because it's Netflix, it's for a Western audience. But they did go back and get the original voice actors to voice it in Japanese. So you can watch it in Japanese with the original voice actors doing their characters with English subtitles. Okay, that's cool. So I've watched it twice in English and once in Japanese. Well, if you want to branch out into a third language, we have an offer on the C Spire text line. Philip in Walthall County says he'll translate the, the German for Super Talk free. Well, he said gratis, which shows he's got a big vocabulary, and I, I, I didn't. I was afraid I wouldn't be able to pronounce it correctly up front, so I just went with free. 
I translated his translation. I've always loved when I see people mocking someone speaking poorly in a second language, and I'm like, you haven't even mastered yours yet. Why are you making fun of somebody else in number two? But that's just me. Uh, from the 662, if AI is so good, why can't we put a microchip in the football to tell us the exact yardage and location of the football at the end of each down? They tried something similar in soccer, didn't they? Do they still do that? Yeah, kind of. It's it's called VAR, and it's a system similar to what they currently use in the NFL for all their advanced stat tracking, where instead of putting something in the ball, they use hundreds of cameras and collate all that data into a single point so that they they can see the ball from all these different angles and they know where all these angles are so they use the, the trigonometry to figure out okay the ball's right there they did try putting chips in the balls in soccer but you can do that because the soccer ball is a sphere basically football would be a little bit more difficult it would probably throw off the way it flies and passing is such a big part of the game but yeah the even the implementation of that in soccer it's got its naysayers. It's got people that are upset because they call it VAR. And VAR has been the bane of many existence. I, I still say if you're going to have a review process of any kind in any sport, it needs to be like the Australian rules football people do it. Where if it goes to a review, all the screens in the stadium go to it and the live feed going out to TV audiences gets to see and hear the conversation going on between the ref and the review official. Accountability! And they get it done in like a minute and a half. Yeah, because they want to get back out of, out of the public view like that. They don't want to linger. Mike in Oxford. Rhino, you mentioned cars now costing more than houses when you were a kid. Mattresses cost more now than cars did when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Got a sectional sofa at the house that cost way more than my first car did. So, yeah, I agree with that. Um, Don't make me whip out uh, the English name for it was Battle of the Planets. I'm seeing some people getting into an anime argument. I, I will get... Covering the stories that matter most to Mississippians. Gerard Gibbert. Middays with Gerard. Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Super Talk Mississippi live in the Element Wealth Studios. You can go to myelementwealth.com or call 601-957-6006 and let Element Wealth help you find your balance between income, growth, and guarantees. On the C Spire text line uh, for Mount Hermon, if my sectional sofa cost more than my truck, to heck with the sofa, I'll just park my truck in the living room and watch TV. Well, yeah, but... Your, your truck now costs way more than it used to because we're comparing prices when we were a kid versus prices now for other items because the power of inflation, coupled with the increasing decline in the value of the dollar, 
Uh, I've been saying this for a while. I think I said it when I was here a couple of weeks ago. If you're still making, if you're still earning what you were earning 10 years ago, I hope you're enjoying that pay cut. Because, trust me, it's not buying what it used to buy. That's not even something anyone can argue with. So, yeah, if you're still making what you were making, that's a pay cut. Flat out, plain and simple. So it's that it's that kind of problem, and it's not going away anytime soon. Gotcha Man, by the way, I had to go look it up during the break. That was the original Japanese name for Battle of the Planets that I got hooked on in the late 70s when they used to run it on TBS every afternoon. I was a bonnie wee lad then. Translate that, Philip. Anyway, <clears throat> the Writers Guild strike may end today. Really? Yes. What happened yesterday, they finally decided to get back together. Them and the American Movie and Television Producers Association Society of the World, or whatever they're called, AMPTP, I think. Um, they and the WGA decided to have some talks. But this time, instead of the organization doing the talks... You had the the heads of several studios. Uh, Iger showed up from Disney. Zaslav showed up from Warner Brothers Discovery. All of them got in a room with the writers' representatives. And when they left, both sides said, all of a sudden, when you got the bosses in the room, as it turns out, they made enormous progress in their talks yesterday. And they are expecting to finalize a deal with the same four in the room with them today. What happened here is, this has been going on for months now, the strike, the heads of the studios and networks finally had had enough and said, okay, if you're not going to do it, we'll take care of this. And you're not going to tell us we're not going to make the deal we want to make. We're in charge. Sit down, be quiet. So they went in the room and talked to the writers, and they we don't know what it is, but they've apparently worked out some kind of deal. This is the way progress happens sometimes. Eventually, the, the big people have had enough and just step in. I'm convinced it's because all of the late-night talk show hosts are really upset that they are now a couple weeks removed from the golden opportunity of making Lauren Bubert jokes. Yes. Yes. Why is that not a t-shirt up for sale yet? <sighs> That entire thing, that entire story has been absolutely ludicrous from the word go. It was apparently their first date. She didn't even know this guy. Awful handsy for a first date. Oh, yeah. There was a lot going on in that theater there. I saw a meme with the security camera footage of them going at it, her and her date, and right below it is a picture of Pee Wee saying, at least my theater was adults only. <laughs> so yeah, at Beetlejuice the musical. At Beetlejuice the musical, you know, it always gets everybody hot and bothered. So <laughs> it's understandable, I guess. <sighs> this is the world we're living in, and this this is the problem that we have. We very much have dual standards on everything. Oh, yeah, we've got night vision footage of adults groping each other at Beetlejuice Musical, but we have no idea who had cocaine at the White House. That's right. 
That's right. But at the same time, uh, we're kind of laughing off the lower uh, the, 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 the Boober film and the, the whole scandal and just kind of laughing. Oh, it doesn't matter. It's, it's immaterial. It may, it's a moot point. Uh, but then you've got, if it had been Hunter Biden instead, oh, the uproar. So the double standards do go both ways here. They do. He preferred to do his filming in full light, though. Yes, yes. He had better lighting. <laughs> had a more cinematic mindset about it. <sighs> we need somebody to step forward and just be, this is their full platform. This is the whole thing. This is everything that they stand for, everything that they run on. Bipartisan, totally immaterial, who you are, what you support. Your entire platform is, I'm against stupidity. If we had somebody that would stick to that, we could straighten some stuff out. We're not going to have that, though, because where's the power in having sense? Remember, we're talking about the same group that thinks that Medicare and the tax code are just fine. They're doing great. Like them just like they are. So, yeah, don't don't hold your breath for that. Uh, Rupert Murdoch. Huge news today. Everywhere. Rupert Murdoch is stepping down as the head of News Corp and Fox. Well, sort of. He's going to be the chairman emeritus. He's still going to be hanging around. But in title, he's stepping down. There'll just be an extra person involved if he wants to fire somebody. Right. Right. He'll just go, uh, get you, fire them, instead of going, you're fired. Well, and, you know, he's he's uh, decided to slow down and enjoy life, I guess, at the young, sprightful age of 92. I love the combination of sprightly and spiteful. Yes. Sprightful. The lemon-limiest of emotions. Well, yeah, another example. 92, mostly stepping down. We look at the people in Congress. Just, just flat out not stepping down at all. Who was it? Was it Elizabeth Warren that said she was going to run again? It was somebody who said they're going to run again, and they're already in their 80s. Pelosi said she's running again. Yeah, I knew Pelosi said. I was thinking there was somebody else, but had announced, you know, I'm running again. I'm, I'm never going home. Never. Why? Look around you. I, I think the one thing everybody agrees on is everything's a mess right now. Do we really want to keep going with the same captain when we keep running into an iceberg? Eventually, you at least got to have somebody willing to walk up and bump the sextant on its side with the heel of their hand to see if it's working, because I'm not even sure we're going in the right direction at this point. But you wait. Sam said, who, who in the heck would bring a night vision camera to a movie theater? The screen is not big enough. It's actually the theater's security system. It was their cameras. It's hard installed to catch <clears throat> activities, I guess. Because, again, you know, it's Beetlejuice the musical. you got to expect some horseplay out in the seats. 
I will agree with that, Ed. Ed in the Delta says Senator John Kennedy from Louisiana comes about as close to standing up against stupidity as anyone. He does a pretty good job of that. He he is willing to look at a donkey and go, that's not a horse. That's not a thoroughbred. Certainly not a chicken. That's a donkey. And that's kind of a rare attribute these days. Somebody else from the 601, apathy is the problem, or ignorance. Well, one leads to the other. Doesn't matter which one you start with, the second one will be along shortly. If you're apathetic, you wind up being ignorant by choice. If you're ignorant, you wind up being apathetic with no choice because you've got nothing to get excited about because you don't know nothing. So, yeah, those two are very much interconnected. Excellent addition there. Well, once again, the visiting attack dog has burned a full half hour of the show. Went to make one comment, and here we are, half an hour later. Thanks for coming along. We do have a half hour left. I'm sure I'll mess that up somehow, too. Just stick around, and we'll find out together how badly it can go. Live in the Element Well Studios. Keep it here. All day long they're saying, My work is so hard, give me water, I'm thirsty, my, my work is so hard, whoa, my, 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 my work is so hard, oh, hmm. with Gerard Gibbert. It is on. On Super Talk Mississippi. Why do I keep looking at the news? Why, why do I do this to myself? Murder-suicide at a Walmart in Georgia happened today. Getting uh, Starting to see a lot more about violence and attacks at Walmarts. Then we had, it popped up again on my feed uh, over the weekend, or last week actually, the band director that got tased and arrested because the band wouldn't stop playing when the police told them to. We've gone insane. But, on the bright side, that's offset by the fact that Rhino now has a buddy. I do, thanks to the news team. Very cool. The news team came in here with a presentation. Yeah, show him off, man. Show him off. There he is. Rhino Jr. That's what they named him. Any other names that come to mind? C Spire text line is open. There's some debate about whether or not he would he would be renamed. He or she or is it acceptable to call it an it? I think it might hurt his feelings. Okay, so you've personified it already to the point to where <laughs> that's not going to fly. Gotcha. Okay. That's acceptable. That's acceptable. 
Mo, serious question on Friday Eve for Dave. Chewy Chips Ahoy or any Little Debbies? Any Little Debbies. Next question. That one wasn't even difficult. That that was a that was a hard one. Do they even still make the the chewy chocolate chip where it's got the solid chocolate middle? I don't think so. I know what you're talking about. Those were my favorites. I, I would pick so. those over any little Debbie, but in the absence of those, yeah, little Debbie. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm a little Debbie person. It's just the way it works. Sorry. Wait a minute. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not sorry at all. Never mind. Uh, Powerball, eighth largest in the game's history, shot right back up. I think it's uh, $725 million now because nobody won again last night. Spoiler alert, and this is going to be broadly a very accurate statement. Uh, you're probably not going to win Saturday night either. But it's guaranteed that you won't win if you don't get a ticket. Just throwing that out there again. Gets, I got an interesting thing from history here that I want to throw out. Where is it here? <clears throat> this happened back in the mid-1800s. Okay, President Zachary Taylor, 12th president of the U.S. And we actually had a law for a while, as far as I know, it may still be on the books. It happened in the 1830s. But he issued a proclamation declaring that the first Friday in August each year be observed as a day of fasting, humiliation, and prayer in America. July 3rd, 1849, he issued that. That doesn't come up. It really doesn't. I just found that interesting. That's, I went down one of those rabbit holes you and I talk about all the time. Uh, you wind up looking for, you know, recipe for a cake, and you wind up finding out Zachary Taylor issued a proclamation in 1849. That's the way the Internet works for whatever reason. I was thinking about the rabbit hole idea a couple of days ago, and I blame it on the fact that, and it's probably a, a similar reason for you, we were introduced to the internet when it was growing, and it was at a time before algorithms took over when you really had, quote-unquote, surfing the web. Yeah. So we still remember and have a, a fondness and nostalgia for using the internet by clicking link to link to link to link instead of just being spoon-fed here here's what we want you to see yeah which is another big part of the problem that we have in all aspects of life everything right now social media gets all the blame it's more general than that it's every aspect of life uh, you are told what you're supposed to be interested in. That's been part of the problem with Hollywood for years. It's been part of the problem with television, broadcast television for years. I don't know if you know this, if you've seen it, nobody cares anymore for various very good reasons. Uh, the ratings. Number one TV shows now, most of the time, don't even have a tenth of the number of people watching them as number one TV shows had even ten years ago, much less 20 I mean, uh, top ten shows, if you have, and I'm not making this up, you can go look it up. If you have a .8 rating, 0 0.8, you're a top ten show on broadcast television. Why? 
because they quit giving the people what they wanted and started telling the people what they should want. That doesn't work. That's never worked. It's never going to work. And people vote with their feet and just wander away. They have other options. That's been part of the problem with Hollywood for a while, the expression that you, you use it all the time, get woke, go broke. It has become more and more obvious that's kind of the way it works. If you start preaching when you're supposed to be entertaining, people quit paying attention to you. Happens all the time. And again, they, they brag about the number one show on TV. Yeah, you got like one and a half million people watching it. Ten years ago, the number one show had 10, 15 million people watching it, which is still down from where it was 20 or 30 years ago. This isn't a problem that just happened. It's been gradual. It has snuck in. And now here we are. Will they figure this out in time, or will it just eventually dissolve and go away, Hollywood as we know it? I don't think it'll dissolve and go away, but I think you'll see major changes. You'll see a rise in because you're already, you're already seeing the the prevalence of independent film and independent TV. I mean, independent TV still technically doesn't usually show up on TV, but then again, some of the biggest hits of the last couple decades started as an idea with a single company making it, and then it got picked up. I mean, that was Discovery Channel's model for years. I mean, MythBusters was a Australian production company that had the idea, and they made a pilot, sent it off to Discovery, and said, hey, what do you think about this? And they bought it. Deadliest Catch was another one where it was just a production company wanted to do it, and Discovery Channel was like, hey, we can make a lot of money with this. Yeah. So it's not the the big movers and shakers in the industry picking and choosing. It's ideas coming to fruition and then getting bought. And it's interesting to me that the two examples you threw out are the ones that really the subject matter doesn't lend itself to it, but they're not slanted in any particular way. It's just, here, watch this. And if enough people want to watch it, well, they keep doing it. It's the way it's supposed to work. But now the pool of potential viewers has shrank to the point to where there's not as many left that are even there to notice that you're doing it. It's happening across the board. And there's only so many times you can reboot the same IP before people get tired of having their nostalgia played on. From the 601, if Little Debbie tells me I want the raisin cream pie instead of the oatmeal cream pie, then I'm done with Little Debbie's. This is an example of what I'm talking about. By the way, anybody that puts raisins on any kind of dessert food, just don't. That's not a life choice anybody wants to make. Yeah, the economy may be bad, but we don't have to have depression candy. Yeah, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. I think everyone has had the experience at least once of biting into a delicious chocolate chip cookie, only to realize about the second chew in, wait, those weren't chocolate chips. That's a great way to ruin a perfectly good oatmeal cookie. From the 601, I'm surprised Seinfeld is still on in reruns. I'm not. Seinfeld and Friends, both of them, they were highly popular. They just entertained people. That's all they did. There was no hidden agenda. There was no message. There was no no preaching involved. It was just, okay, let's watch these goofy people do goofy things. But even those shows have been 
not adapted, but manipulated for modern audiences. Yes. They're sped up, they're cut up, and they have way more commercials than they did. Yes. Which is kind of common for syndication, because they want to squeeze every dime they can out of it. But it speaks to the, and to me, it's kind of the same reason why 80s music is so much popular than any other era of music. Uh, that was the not really the last, but I would say the 90s grunge movement was still the same way. But it was the next to last era where they just tried to make good music people would like. There were no messages. Weren't making a statement on how I feel. It was just, and here's a cool song. Or if they were making a statement, they weren't just coming out right out and saying it. They were couching it in the lyrics. Yes. 662, all we watch is Andy Griffith and Gunsmoke. It's a shame they never had a crossover. That would have been a beaut. Barney versus Matt. Just think about it. Think about the face-off. I would have been so there for that, but no, they never did that. Final segment, you're welcome, of the Midday Show on this Thursday, live in the Element Wealth Studios. It's right after this. Middays with Gerard. Good for America. Good for fans of justice and truth. Good for us. Super Talk Mississippi. This is what we stand for. Pick me up, love. Pick me up, love. Every day. Welcome back to the Element Wealth Studios. Middays, Dave Hughes here. Mose has a very pertinent correction. Said, no, Dave. Barney versus Festus. Yeah, you're right. 100% correct. Barney versus Festus. I would pay. This is what we need AI for. Because all these guys are gone. The only way we're ever going to get that is if we just make it up from scratch. Somebody get busy. You've got nothing else to do with your free time. Come on. I think that's a great idea. Thomas asked if Boomers won the poll by two. When I stopped counting, by two. They eked it out. Yeah, it just barely squeaked by, but they won by two over X. Uh, the greatest generation had one. Silent generation had one. Zs, there were four of those. So we had six of the seven current living generations that were listening and we heard from. It's not bad. Covering all the bases here. I like it. Especially considering Alpha should be in school right now. Yeah. Yeah. They Well, they more than likely they're not allowed to text strangers. And I can think of no one stranger than Rhino and I. So, because I believe they're, what, 10 and below? Yeah. Yeah. Not, not, not a big segment of the talk radio market. The eight-year-olds, they, they don't really weigh in on this. Speaking of strange and generations, you, you mentioned Zachary Taylor yes. in the previous segment. And I couldn't remember if it was him or someone else that had a living grandson. And it's even crazier because Zachary Taylor served as president after John Tyler, and John Tyler has living grandsons. Yeah. They're in their 90s. but Grandsons. 
So just two generations later, from John Tyler, who was president in 1841. Holy cow. He was born in 1790. His son was born in 1853. And his grandson, Harrison Ruffin Tyler, was born in 1928. It's amazing just how little distance there can be between what we consider way back history, not ancient, but that word would be used by a lot of people, I'm sure, uh, and now. It's a lot closer than you think. That's what makes the discussions about what the Founding Fathers thought so pertinent sometimes. It wasn't that long ago. We fool ourselves into thinking it was. It wasn't. Born in June of 81, what does that make me? I'll mark you down under the millennial column because that technically makes you a millennial. Tom and Carthage, rotator cuff surgery has made me a lot more aware of the early episodes of Gunsmoke. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and another boomer. So the boomers maintain the uh, the two-stroke lead here as we head into the clubhouse. Been interesting. Been very interesting. Uh, I don't know if you've seen, by the way, you know, we had the uh, Guns N' Roses concert down on the coast last night. And apparently Slash spent the entire day just roaming the Gulf Coast doing stuff. I saw a picture of him at a Waffle House. I saw him on the beach with his lady. He, he just kind of... Yesterday was one of those days, if you were on the Gulf Coast, you have a more than decent chance that you were in line either ahead of or behind Slash at some point somewhere. He just went and did whatever the heck he wanted to do, which is the way it should be. I prefer to look at it as he got to the Gulf Coast and just couldn't resist. Because, come on, have you been to the coast? Exactly. He looked like a grandma. Well, all of our rock and roll stars are aging out on us. They really are. It's to be expected. Happens to all of us. Uh, we're getting a few last-minute votes here. 88, that's a millennial. Another millennial weighing in as well. May of 90, I think that's Z, isn't it? Is that Z? No, Z starts at 96. Okay, so that's still another millennial. Uh, March of 62, that makes you a boomer. 76, that makes you uh, Gen X. So, yeah, getting, getting the last few uh, votes in because this has been revived. It goes Highly to, scientific polling. Yes, yes. This is the most useless poll in the history of the universe. I was just curious, out of the active listeners that we have that were willing to text in on the C Spire text line to see how it divided up. Uh, 66, that makes you a Gen X. October 69, Gen X, 60, Boomer. So yeah, it, it has evened out. It's still a two gap, but Boomers and Gen X, that's the majority, the vast majority of the people that have responded to this. One more Boomer. We're trying to pad the stats here at the end of the game. Clock's ticking down to zero. 67, Gen X, 63, Boomer, 56, Boomer, 78, Gen X, still two. Oh, and they're still coming in. Have a good day. Happy birthday, Rhino. Thank you. 
Gerard live with farm equipment tomorrow. It's going to be cool. Listen in. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.